0: Hello, folks, and thank you for joining me and the gang here for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. If you don't know what Rec Poker is about, we're a group of amateur recreational players. We love poker. We love learning together. um, We love the fun of the game, but it's more fun when you win. So we try and study together. We post in the forums. We play in the home games. We watch our training videos, and a lot of what we do here is free. So I have to thank our sponsors: the Running Aces Hotel, Race Tracking. Casino and Mark Prashan over at Website Amp because without them uh, we would not be able to do what we do. So thank you to them and thank you to you, our listeners and all our premium members uh, who contribute fifteen bucks a month uh, to help keep us uh, active, creating these training materials, all the amazing stuff that goes on behind the scenes here. We couldn't do it without our premium members, so thank you very much. Um, and really, the core team here, uh, the wrecking crew here at Wreck Poker, the folks that make all the magic happen. I'm just one of many uh, very invested uh, Rec Poker members who love to keep this going. And uh, we love this opportunity to get together and talk poker with our friends. Um, so, like I said, my name's Jim Reed. I'm Bluffsterini in the home game. I'm at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. And if you want to find out more about me and the rest of the Wrecking crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, or you can just listen up because you're about to meet a few of them right here, right now.
1: I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5 b 5 on Twitter or 5x5 on the Poker Stars home
2: game. I'm Keith Brandt. Uh, you can find me as Monkey System everywhere. And I'm Rob Washam, and you can find me as RabMan50 just about everywhere.
0: And so it's Monday night. We've just uh, finished a chats edition of the podcast where we interview. Uh, a member of the poker world and kind of ha- get to know them a little better. Uh, we do that live on YouTube every week, and I encourage our members to come along and join along and type their questions in. Uh, here for the forums edition of the podcast, we invite our premium members right into the room to come have a conversation with us. So John Crowell is here, and I'm excited to share some insights from him as we proceed. Uh, we're all playing in the nightly home game here, trying to steal each other's chips as we do week in and week out. There's 10 of these home games every week, thanks to the one and only John Somsky. Um, so I encourage folks to come and check out all the free, cool stuff we do here at Rec Poker. So, like I said, this is a forums edition of the podcast. We're going to be looking at a hand, uh, a post from the Rec Poker forums, again, free to join. And uh, this one's from our own Rob Washam. The subject is recognizing range advantage, um, which is a super important concept. Uh, whether your opponents are doing it or not, uh, your ability to, uh, recognize range advantage is a kind of a crucial skill, uh, in your evolution as a poker player. So Rob, what, uh, prompted you to put this awesome, extensive, uh, forum post together? I see a lot of really good stuff in here. I can't wait to crack into it with you.
2: Well, I was, you know, doing what I do. Sometimes I go through, I review different tournaments that I play and I go hand for hand and just see where I may have missed some opportunities to increase my chip stack um, or make a thin value bet or make a river bluff or, you know, or did I, did I use the proper range at the beginning of the hand? You know, did I fold too much? Did I call too much? Those types of questions, you know, you that you are not really sure of. So I go hand by hand through a tournament and I look at stuff and I came across this hand and I'm going my God, did I screw this one up? <laughs> and I started thinking, I started breaking it down a little bit and looking at uh, what actually happened. And so um, we're we're sitting here in a tournament. It's a, a small buy-in tournament on America's Card Room. And um, we've got uh, about 74 big blinds effective you know, between me and the other player in the hand. So we're, we're fairly deep, you know, there's no reason to, to get uh, panicky or anything. We're not jamming or anything. So it's a very, you know, usual type of spot. You're going to find yourself in, um, the under the gun player under the gun plus one raises, um, a standard raise of what is, what did he raise here? Two big blinds. So he's a min, a min raise. And then it folds around to me. Uh, And I call in the big blind with eight, seven offsuit. Typical. I mean, I looked up, I looked up the GTO ranges and that's, that is a big blind call from an under the gun plus one open for two big blinds. So I felt pretty happy with that. You know, I checked that first. And so, okay, I'm good. Um, I looked at the range of the player. Um, His stats were 32, 19, but now I only had 34 hands on him. So that's really not that significant but I used the 19% to kind of come up with this is the range of hands that he would raise with pre-flop. So I put those ranges in the in the post. Now, uh, the flop comes 10-4-9 uh, with two spades. So I immediately look at the flop and say, well, I should have the range advantage on this flop. Because our opponent's hand should be a lot of high cards, a lot of Broadway cards, um obviously he could have the Queen Jack for the you know straight draw on that side, but I have the bottom end of the straight draw with the eight seven right, so I have a open and a straight draw,
0: and um
2: basically this flop should favor me more than it favors him.
0: And I want to encourage our folks, uh, if you're listening along, Rob's put a lot of great detail into this forum post and like ranges of hands and something like that. So uh, do come on over and check this out uh, visually. It might give you a little more insight into what we're talking about. But yeah, Rob, so the uh, flop comes 10, 9, 4, and we've got 7, 8. We've got the two wonders and the open-ended. And uh, yeah, I think we're feeling like our opponents going to have a lot of cards that are higher than a ten when they open from early position like that. Uh, so yep. they they have a lot. They miss this with a lot of their range. That makes sense. They're going to have a lot of draw, right. a lot of overs and draw hands to this, I guess.
2: Right, right. That's that's kind of what you figure. So uh, what happens is, of course, I'm in the big blind. So my normal response would be to check. Because I want to check and let give him the opportunity to see bet. Um now if I check and he see bets, what I should probably do with a hand like this is put in a check raise. That wasn't in my thoughts. <laughs> I'm gonna admit that right now. That was not in my thoughts. I was definitely gonna call if he if he see bet, but then he checked back. So then, then, what should be going through your head at that moment in time is he check back? So, what hands does he check back? The best hand that he's going to check back is going to be pocket tens, because if he's a thinking player, he knows that pocket tens has got that board so 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 wrapped up that nobody could really call a c bet. So
0: right. that would be top set no, pocket, right so we'd be blocking right. a lot of your one pair or top pair hands
2: correct correct so pocket fours would probably see bet pocket nines would probably see bet over pairs i would believe would see bet on this type of flop um even hands like ace king ace queen i would think would see bet on a on a flop like this a lot of the times but that's not a given either there's a lot of people that won't uh, unless they actually have something are not going to see bet so, so it goes check, check. And then the turn is a five of clubs putting the second straight draw out there, but the five is just like, wow, does this smash my flop my, my range or what? I mean, there's, he has so few fives compared to the numbers that I have to go along with the four and the nine and the 10, this is a perfect opportunity to throw out a bet on the turn, especially the fact that he checked the flop. And so what did I do? I
0: checked. (laughs) (laughs) So you checked, but you're saying this would have been a good spot to, uh, to lead out because he's capped his range by, by checking back the flop. And it's another hand, it's another card coming that, doesn't improve his his range very well, and it does improve yours some.
2: Correct. It should improve mine drastically compared to his. Um, so, yeah he he goes out and he he bets out. And what I should be doing, or I check, and he what I should have done is a probe bet is what we're talking about. And what I did is check, let him bet, and instead of check raising which I should have done with almost my entire range on this board. I ch- I just called. <clears throat> so I'm playing and, it so passively, it's just ridiculous.
0: And the bet was... Um... 2.75 big blinds into a pot of five and a half so it's a half pot bet we know that's not pet vet approved um right. Just
1: that's that is like clicking the button right there she, yeah. she hates that stuff
0: <laughs> but and i think you know part of her reasoning is that it's kind of like a lazy bet and so it, it should also you know it, it it's the kind of bet that like someone might make without a good reason, I think sometimes as well, yeah. not always obviously, and she's you know she'll say that sometimes it's the right bet too, but um yeah, I'm with you, Rob. It does feel like they are kind of betting here because you've also weakened your range now by by checking twice and they have a chance to kind of take it away. that does make sense. It feels like it would be a good target for that check raise,
2: yep, yep, I think uh I think that's the let's see that would be the. Second mistake I made, the first, <laughs> the first mistake I made was not betting out on the turn.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The second mistake I made was not check raising when I checked and let him bet into the turn. Yep. So then the, the river comes, a queen, which I'm going, oh, well, there goes my range advantage.
0: <laughs> right. Because that was one of the cards it. we we wanted right. him to have hands that had an unpaired queen in them and some of those right. other cards. Exactly. So I check, he checks back and flips
2: over pocket twos or pocket threes. Oh. To win the hand. So now if you go back through the hand, if I pro bet the turn, he folds. Yep. Mm-hmm. Automatically. Yep. If if I allow him to, to bet into me on the turn and I check raise him, he folds. There's yep. no way he can call with pocket twos. And it was, you know, it should have been, I should have realized that that was in his range. An under pair could have been in his range. Um, but I I just totally muffed up this hand.
0: <laughs> and And he will have some other hands like that. Pocket threes, he'll have some. Port. Uh, I guess from under the gun, he's not going to have that many unpaired fours. But you know, pocket fives. You know, Chris isn't the only person that's playing that under the gun. Um, pocket sevens, sixes. You're blocking sevens and eights. But like a lot of hands that you know, um, he will fold to that action. And uh, that matters and a lot.
2: Fours and fives would never fold. Is that those are sets?
0: Oh, by now they're sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, so,
2: so the, uh, the what I'm thinking more of is the overcards type hands. Yeah. You know, the king, the king, queen, the king, jack, the ace, queen, the ace, jack, those types of hands that don't feel real comfortable because they don't have that range advantage that we do. Um, So I'm thinking there's a lot of hands in there that are definitely going to fold to either a pro bet on the turn or a check raise on the turn. And the fact that I have an open and a straight draw Should give me a lot more confidence because it's not a pure unadulterated bluff. It's a semi bluff. I still have lots of cards that can help me.
0: And and crucially important, you've got a hand with zero showdown value. So, all those hands that we've talked about, one thing that they have in common pocket threes, queen jack, you know, ace 10 or ace king one thing that they all have in common is that they're ahead of your hand, they're beating you when you have seven, eight there with eight high. So it's a great candidate to take that aggressive action because they're going to fold hands that are better than yours. And folding hands that are better than yours is what we want players to do if we're going to make money in poker. So that's a great candidate for that.
2: I would say that any hand he folds would have been
0: better than mine. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah, on that run out, it's hard to have a lower one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean... The, I think the the one of the the good this raises a really good question and something that that everyone should be thinking about um, is that when we're in these spots, we have the opportunity to do what what we've described as a probe bet. A probe bet is basically a bet where we didn't have the lead and it checks through on the flop and now we kind of are playing outside of flow and people sometimes feel like a little hesitant to do this, but if you're, if you're never doing this, if you're like, I'm just going to check again and see, see how this hand progresses, you're really missing out on a, uh, a a tool in your arsenal. Um, It's a very effective tool when you have a check, check thing Now, as Rob was pointing out, the player can still have a very strong hand. They can have pocket tens. um, They can have, you know, I, I think, Potentially they could even have some top pairs in here, maybe, you know, th- so there's going to be some strength in the range, but it's not going to be that strong. And 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 it's particularly effective to use pro bets when we have a board like this and the card that comes on the turn is below the 10. Mm. So but below the, the existing top card on the flop. Now we have a lot of, um, possibilities, it could pair uh, one of the cards. That's great. I think that can be, you know, if it pairs the nine or the four, that's that just smashes us in the big blind. It makes a ton of sense when we're betting, when we don't have it. Um, A lot of any of the other cards are going to be safe in terms of not really changing the dynamic of the hand they're holding. And we can get a lot of really strong hands to fold. So we should be doing this kind of action with um, some of our draws that can be as strong as the kind that Rob have, like an open ended straight draw, it could be a flush draw, um, it could be um, some of the gut, even gut shots could do this quite a bit. Um, and then also some of the the pairs that we didn't bet through. So our top pairs, some of the 10x that we might have had that we didn't get a chance to because we just, you know, automatically checked through. Those are the kind of hands that we want to be doing this with. And we want to be reserving potentially some of our absolutely strongest hands um, as well as some of our absolute give up garbage for checking again on the turn. And we can get value with like our, some of our pocket nines and some of that kind of stuff, pocket fours, pocket fives, especially those are the kinds of hands we can get a little bit, even more value, uh and protect our, our check checking range. Yeah well, with this pro bet Chris, what kind of sizing are you talking about? Uh I since it's checked through, um I tend to like um a little bit of a, a larger sizing. Um so something uh what what was the pot? It was five and a half big five lines. and a half
0: on the turn yeah.
1: So I'm doing something like four. It's mm, I'm going pretty mm-hmm, big
0: mm-hmm. with
1: these. Um, I want to charge, um, you know, things things like the two over cards, uh, some of those under pairs that are like, you don't have anything. I want to be charging a lot of those. Um, and you'd be surprised how many people, you know, <laughs> they get pretty sticky for a smaller bet here. And we really do want to build some folds into this.
2: And also if they picked up a flush draw, because yep. we got another club now on the on the turn um that could you know give them incentive to call that smaller bet. Yep. Whereas now if you if you bet that 60 70 75% pot he's he's not getting the correct odds to call with those types of hands.
0: Yeah, and I think and if that, he does
2: call it's a mistake. So. Yes,
0: yeah, so we're putting him in a position where the opponent opponent can make a mistake and that's always something we're trying to do. And I think you really hit the nail on the head there because the bigger sizing, what we really want is we really want folds. Like we, we, we don't want anyone to call this hand with anything that they're considering calling. So we're not going to be able to decide. We're not going to be able to change them from calling with over pairs or top pair, top kicker, or, you know, two pair or two, you know, they're not folding queen Jack, but they might fold a lot of the other hands. And as we've said, those hands are dominating you right now when you've got eight, seven. Um, so this is a, a semi bluff, but it's a semi bluff where we really want the fold. So I think, and, you know, you'd be, you'd be betting pretty big with like a set of fours here. Or as if well. we get,
1: and the, other, the nice thing about, about balancing are if we get called here, we're going to have a lot of 10 X in our range mm-hmm. that uh, when we do get called, we're actually okay with that too. So like, we're putting our opponent in a position where they're, they're having to make a really difficult decision. Um, they're either not getting the odds to call or they're calling with a hand that we've got well beat at this point. So they can't, they almost can't make the right decision.
2: We love that. And then another, that. another thing that I've noted playing
1: small stakes is, um, when you make the small bet, like a quarter pot bet or a third pot bet, a lot of opponents, uh, look at that as weakness and they'll raise you mm-hmm. just to check and see.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, so you don't want that to happen in a, in a situation like this. So you yeah. want to put that bigger bet out there to discourage that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, it, and it does, you know, we talk about contorting our opponent's ranges and with our bet sizing. And I think we can make some very comfortable decisions when we make a big bet here, depending on how they proceed and it's really going to inform our sense of what their range is when they continue to a large sizing here. Um so but we'll we'll wrap this up in a second but I want to just go over some terminology about different kinds of bets you can make and then so uh gang just think about if you've got any other points to bring up we can close the show out with that afterwards. Um so what we're talking about here so we talk about C bets a lot. And we've talked about c over the last few months as those have been different themes of the month as we go. So a C-bet, a continuation bet is any time where you are continuing your aggression from the previous street. So you had to be the player who was making the aggressive action on the previous street. So if you're on the, if you, if the player, let's say you're in the big blind, like Rob is here on the flop. If he had led into the aggressor, this would be a donk bet, which is what we call leading into the aggressor. Um, that's a donk. It can happen on mul- on any street, but the opponent has to have taken an aggressive action on the previous street. In this case, when we checked and then the opponent checked behind, they're no longer the aggressor on the next street. So the, the bet terminology is different. This, we're not donking into them anymore. Now we're probing. This is a probe bet because they had the opportunity to see bet on the previous street while they were in position, and they did not. The other uh, bet that's similar to this that you might see is a float bet. So let's say that they play, they made the same open from early position, but Rob called from the button instead. When uh, this player declined to see bet, Rob, who hasn't acted yet, can now choose to make a bet into this uh they're no longer the aggressor, again, because they've checked on this street now. This is called a float bet. And this is, you can only do it when you're in position and the opponent is not a probe because it happens on the same street that the opponent chose not to see bet. But so this is, th- this kind of terminology comes up a lot. And um, the donking, probing, and floating are three kind of different ways that we approach aggressors who have given up that aggression, and it's just we have to do it in different actually, I guess donking isn't even really that, but that's the way to think about that mm-hmm. uh, any other thoughts there rob
1: and and I just, was oh go, yeah, ahead. go ahead
2: no go ahead, Chris
1: oh just to emphasize I, I this is a a part of the game you know tree or whatever that um I think a lot of recreational players don't use enough the the probe bed um I would look into it. Maybe look at your stats if you have some online. See how you can—that's a stat that Poker Tracker and Hold'em Manager track for you. Can see how often you're doing it. Um, you should be doing it more than seldomly.
2: I got, yeah, I would challenge a lot of people look at their Poker Tracker and see how often they're pro betting. And I'll bet you it's a very, very small percentage of the time. Mm-hmm. And the the key is look at the board, look at the texture of the board. And understand when the range who has the range advantage, you know, and that that can really inform your decision whether you're going to probe or not. And just one more comment I was going to make. When we make that larger bet, and I've heard this in a lot of the things I listen to, a lot of the you know videos I watch, is that you're more polarizing your range with a larger bet. So now you you with a larger bet, you're saying, I either have the nuts or I have nothing, you know? And, and so now you're giving that person a really tough decision because you're not saying you have the nuts when you bet a quarter pot,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, you're not saying you have the nuts when you bet a quarter pot, but when you bet that big, big bet, you are, you are telling him you have the nuts or that you have absolutely nothing and you're very polarized. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason to use that bigger bet.
1: And what one last thing because the way I just said, don't do this seldomly, um things that I've heard from you know people smarter than me at poker uh, in terms of how often we should be pro betting is your number should be somewhere around like thirty to forty percent uh of the time when you have the opportunity that you're that you're following through with this and I would maybe yours on um I'm working on mine they're they're getting up in that range, so i've I've really been putting some some effort into doing it. But I would be shocked if everybody listening to this had numbers in that That range.
0: feels like a lot, like in a good way. Like I feel, feels like more than is intuitively available to a lot of our members. Um, And I think people just don't appreciate how often players are C-betting their strong hands. Like when players choose not to C-bet, it's usually an indication of weakness and, knowing the board is really important because sometimes they're going to be doing it to trick you. um, But a lot of the times they're going to be doing it because it's just not their board and they don't have a hand and whether you have a hand or not, that probe bet or that float bet, you know, once they've, once they've demonstrated some weakness by not C betting um, it can be very profitable, like whether you've got a hand or not. When I was doing commentary uh, from a madness with uh, Ryan LaPlante last year, Uh, That was one thing that he talked about a few times was leading turns, how valuable that can be and how underutilized it is for recreational players. And this is exactly the kind of spot that uh, he's talking about there, I think. So that's great. I love that. And yeah, and if if folks uh, do have access to PokerTracker 4, um, you can run a a couple pretty simple reports and filters uh, to give yourself opportunities to probe bet and uh, see where you're not pulling the trigger. And I think I think people might be surprised how, how many spots they're passing up. Because like we said at the beginning, if you want to make money at poker, you need people to fold better hands than yours. So look for some creative ways to make them do that. Uh, any other thoughts here, gang? That's, a, that's an interesting conversation. I think, I hope some folks get a chance to try out some probe bets and some float bets and uh, see what they can do, expressing some strength against some strong ranges. All right. Well, then, without any further ado, I'll thank uh, John Crowell, Rob Washam, Chris Jones, Keith Brant, um, of course, Website AMP and running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and you, the listeners. And go support your local food bank. All right, thanks, everybody.